All right, let's, uh, let's uh, continue with a word of prayer. God Almighty, we tell you we love you. We thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, <clears throat> show us, lead us, teach us. We give you what we have, and we receive what you give. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we talked about a spirit of infirmity, a, a physical ailment with a spiritual cause. Now remember, be really careful about stereotyping. You know, I, I read some authors and they say, all, all everything is like this. All infirmity or all sickness is demonic. Well, you know what? If you want to track back to Genesis, certainly when sin entered the world, so did sickness. But not every sick person is demon-possessed. You know what I mean? So you, you can't just make those kinds of stereotypes. Uh, but, you know, with the lady with the diarrhea, uh, the thing that stood out for me was, like, okay, I have this inexplicable explosive diarrhea. It happens whenever, wherever. And uh, my doctors can't diagnose it. Really, that's my first interest. Okay, the doctors can't diagnose it, eh? Hmm. Uh, when did it start? Well, it started when I was doing spiritual warfare about one of my brothers. Oh, another interesting little thing right there. Okay. Um, uh, what, did you, what did you do in that time? Well, I decided I would be Jesus, and I would take on my brother's issue. Okay, so, you know, there were some real specific things I looked for in that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Tomorrow, we're going to talk a little bit more about how do you tell um, when, when something is demonic? How do you discern that? But for now, we're, we're just unpacking some of the scriptures about demons. There's a spirit of divination. Uh, once, the uh, story comes out of Acts 16, 16 to 18, once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl um, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. And the, the girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. <clears throat> she kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And apparently, if you follow the story, uh, the owners got really ticked off and uh, took it out on Paul and, and, his, own, and his, his associates. Um, anyway, the girl spoken of in this text had a spirit that was known for the ability that it gave her. Uh, it could predict the future and tell fortunes. Um, and Paul dealt with it. Uh, when, when he dealt with it, he just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. It's interesting, you know, that uh, I often wondered why didn't Paul just do this sooner? Um, but it said he, uh, he actually put up with it for a bunch of days. And one of the things he put up, uh, one of the things that was growing in him was his frustration. And um, so I don't know. I don't know if uh, Paul just was learning in the area of deliverance himself or what he was doing. But anyway, finally one day he just said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. Whoa. And it, it happened and it left. And uh, she lost that ability. Um, interesting thing too is that when Jesus or when Paul turned around and just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you come out of her. It doesn't say that he used the name. But that evil spirit knew it was being spoken to. And it packed up and it left. And so, you know, again, teaching that says you have to nail down the specific name so the spirit knows you're being talked to. Like, give me a break. Jesus is saying, you, 
get out. And the spirits go like, what? Me? Me? Like, no, you're not talking to me. You didn't use my name. Sorry. You know, once you figure out my name, okay, you know, then I'll go. But, you know, I got a really long name and it's Latin and it's several thousand years old. So get out your history books, boys, because uh, it ain't going to happen. I don't think so. You. Yeah, you. You know who I'm talking to. You. You're out. And it left. Okay. So, important thing here, you know, is not that the spirit was not named, but that Paul took his stand in the name of Jesus and dealt with it from that vantage point. Okay. Um, now, the process of telling the future is called divination. If you look that up, you'll find it in Webster's Dictionary. And although the text doesn't specifically name the spirit as a spirit of divination, uh, many in the area of deliverance ministry will use that name for it and address it as such. I remember one of the first uh, times uh, I was just getting into this particular journey uh, of learning some of this stuff, and uh, I was doing a little bit of mentorship in the area of deliverance, and so I was spending some time with my mentor. Um, people would find their way to his door, and we would pray with them, and we would, I, I just learned. I just soaked it up. Anyway, I'm off at a Bible school, and I'm teaching a class, and one of the things that I mentioned was, anyone here been involved in... Uh, um, Oh, Ouija and Tarot and all kinds of uh, occult games and all that kind of stuff. Yep, pick me, two people stick their hands up. And, uh, you know, me, I should just stay focused is what I should do. You know, just teach your blasted class. Don't get off topic. Don't ask those kinds of questions in groups of people. But now they said yes. And I heard myself say, do you want to, be, do you want to get free? Well, yes, that would be nice. Okay, and inside... Part of me is saying, shut up already, get back to your material, do it, do it, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I thought, okay, we've started something now. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with you first and then, no, you first and then you first, you next. Okay, so I sat down and what I've been taught to do is I just began to do. I said, we're going to, what did you do? Well, Ouija boards and tarot and it turned out she had more stuff going on too. Um, so I said, we need to confess and renounce these, put this under the blood of Jesus. Have you ever rejected uh, what you did, what you got involved in? No. Well, we need to. Um, interestingly enough, part of the early church um, was regular deliverance ceremonies. And interestingly enough, if you go into some Lutheran congregations where they have the old green hymnal, you go into some uh, other services, some Anglican services, uh, there are fragments of those old deliverance uh, renunciations still in their liturgies. And a lot of them, as a Lutheran, I grew up never, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I was in seminary when my professor said, yeah, see that little piece of that baptismal ceremony? That's actually a part of an old deliverance ritual. Get out! Sure enough. It's where you renounce the evil spirit or you renounce the evil that you were involved in and then surrender to Jesus. Okay. So, I led this, uh, this young pair of uh, people through this renunciation. And I'll just, you know what, I'll just tell you about the guy. He got, he, I, I came up to him and I sat down and I says, you're next. And he, he gets terrified looking. You know, oh no, okay. I said, what are you experiencing? I'm terrified. Okay. What did you get involved in? Tarot cards. Did it work for you? Yeah. Okay, we're going to renounce it. Command the spirit of divination to go to where Jesus sends it. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, pray with me. Words are like a bucket. You put your heart into them, hand them to God. I'm going to help you with the words. You got to mean them, okay? Okay. Dear Jesus, and he prays, dear Jesus. 
I now confess and renounce my involvement with tarot cards and anything that came to me in that event. And he prayed it. I said, okay, now you rest and just relax. And I said, spirit of divination, I command you in the name of Jesus to go. And he goes, I command you in the name of Jesus to go. Get out of his life. Bam! Jesus' name. And he left. <gasps> what did you just experience? He says, as soon as you said that in the name of Jesus, it started screaming. Well, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at him, and he's going like this. That's what the squinting was about, the screaming in his ears. But I'm also seeing two young ladies over here, and they're going like, <gasps> like this. And I said, and what did you two people experience? We heard it too. Uh, there's 20 other people in the class. Did anyone else hear the screaming? Nope. Why did God only let two of them hear the screaming? I don't know. They were, they were the greatest skeptics. So what happened? Well, I heard the screaming, and then you commanded it to go in Jesus' name, and you commanded it again, and it went out the door and kept going. Okay, I didn't hear anything. So then, we better pray. Dear Jesus, come Lord Holy Spirit and take the place that was touched in this man's life by this evil spirit. It's yours now. Amen. And this young man was set free. Um, so there are spirit of divination, and that's what I just called it, the spirit of divination. Uh, you, could spirit, you could call it the spirit of the tarot cards. But it's a spirit of divination because what it does is it seeks to predict the future. And you have to, it has to be said that some of these spirits, again, you know, they do function. You'll ask people. That's what I always ask people. If you monkey around with Ouija boards, did it work for you? Nah. Just thought it was a stupid game. Okay, well, we'll pray about that. Yeah, it did work for me. It worked for me all the time. Somebody just recently said that. It always worked for me. Was it correct? Sometimes. It's not always correct because it really doesn't know all the future. But the devil's a pretty good guesser. So anyway, it did work for this person. So we command that it, we renounce it, command that it to go. So anyway, <clears throat> well, here's a spirit of fear. <clears throat> Romans 8, 15. Before I got into this kind of uh, uh, journey, I'd, I'd never read this passage from this perspective. Uh, it had always been right in front of my face, but I didn't read it from this perspective. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the, received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. So there's a spirit Paul's talking about that can lead you to fear, that can embed fear in you. They can enslave you to fear. That's a different spirit than the spirit of Christ, the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. So, Paul contrasts the spirit of sonship and a spirit that enslaves its victims with fear. All right. Um, I've had a number of people afflicted by a natural fear. In fact, I, I am one of them. And, and I, I'd grown so used to this fear in my life that I basically built my life around it and I was coping on a regular basis and I didn't even know I had it. Um, but it left me when I went through some deliverance. Um, I'd, uh, sometime after my own experience, I remember sitting uh, at Pizza Hut in Abbotsford, BC. And I was in that town, uh, uh, I was just actually getting ready to move. We lived locally. And um, I'd been invited out with a couple of friends of mine uh, from the addictions community. And they were sitting at Pizza Hut, you know, trying not to drink. Um, so go out for coffee at Pizza Hut. So I'm sitting there talking with them when we're, we're talking back and forth. <clears throat> and uh, 
this guy, uh, one of the guys, he began to tell me about his struggle with fear. And he, he just said, you know, I carry fear about all kinds of stuff. I fear everything. Like if my kid steps off the, the, on, off the sidewalk onto the street, is he going to get run over? You know, I'm terrified that something's going to happen all the time. Um, whether his wife would, was okay, whatever. Um, so I asked him, you know, like somebody who's got that much fear, I asked him about his faith in Christ, and he said, yep, I, I am a born-again Christian. I know Jesus. But he says, I just live with this fear all the time. So I suggested he could use some deliverance prayer because his fear to me seemed to be out of the ordinary. Well, you know, he got real cold real fast. Deliverance prayer. I'll think about it. Don't be coming too close to me while I think, you know. Uh, so he got really suspicious really fast, got really cold really fast. Uh, he obviously had some um, images in his head that that sort of brought up for him. Um, before he left, though, you know, we talked a little bit more, drifted off the subject, talked a little bit more. But before he left, he asked me if I'd pray for his wife who was having a minor surgery. I think it had to do with uh, ingrown toenail. He was terrified she was going to die from an ingrown toenail. Would you pray for my wife that she doesn't die at the operation tomorrow? Sure. So I prayed a short prayer, dear Jesus, bless and protect him. And I basically prayed something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, bless my brother, protect him, protect his wife. You hear the cry of his heart. Oh, and Lord, that fear in his life. We just uh, rebuke that in Jesus' name. Command it to go from his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And he looks at me and he's like, okay, okay, fine, sure. And he got up and he left. And um, I saw him uh, a little while later. We were just on our last week in that place and we were at our church and he shows up at church. And some of my friends at the church decided that they were going to put up an open microphone. Anyone can get up and say well, about the Hopkins is what they want to say. So, you know, it was going to be fun and all that kind of stuff. Well, this guy gets up and he comes up to the mic and he says, I don't know if you remember me. Yeah, I remember you. Well, you inadvertently did deliverance on me in Pizza Hut. How the heck do you do inadvertently do deliverance? Well, I just want to tell you that when you told that fear to go away, it left and it hasn't been back. Now, don't get me wrong. He says, you know, I still got my odd, my odd worry and stuff, but I, the, the haunting fear, it's just gone. Fascinating. I had another person, you know, went through some prayer. She was, uh, again, this kind of thing can get so embedded in your life, you don't even know it's there. She didn't come for prayer for fear, but one of the things we did as she came was we confessed and renounced all her fear. Dear Jesus, I give you all my fears. Your word says perfect love drives out all fear, all that kind of stuff. I don't need to fear. Your, my punishment has been taken on the cross. I don't have to worry about that. I'm in your hands. Oh, and by the way, spirit of fear, the Lord rebukes you. Get out of my life. We prayed a prayer similar to that. Well, she comes to me later on and she says, I want to talk to you. Yeah, okay. Uh, she says, something changed when we did that prayer. Okay, what changed? She said, I drove, I, what, what the heck was it? I drove home and I drove across the bridge on the outside lane. And I'm thinking, whoop-de-doo, who cares? Like, what do you mean you drove across the bridge on the outside lane? She says, no, no, you don't, you don't get me. She says, I'm terrified of heights. I don't drive the outside lane. I drive the inside lane because the outside lane might fall off. Okay. She says, I drove the outside lane. I had to test this. She says, I think my fear is gone. She said, I went home. There was a burned out bulb at home. I took a chair. 
I pulled it into the middle of the room. I stepped up on the chair and yeah, I changed the light bulb. And she said, I could do it. And I'm going like, all right, woohoo. To her, she would never climb up on a chair because she's terrified of heights. She's got one of those phobias. Only it wasn't a phobia. It was a demonic spirit of fear. She uh, comes back to me even later and she says, guess what? Latest story, what? She says, I'm one of those people, we drove to the coast and I'm one of those people going through the mountains, especially going through Golden. She says, I'm hanging onto the wheel with white knuckles 30 kilometers an hour with 16 cars behind me cursing at me. Periodically, I pull them all over, watch them as they go by, flashing the finger at me, and, and then I pull back out. And I do it all over again, all the way through the mountains. I drove through the mountains at the speed limit, she says. And I found that amazing. Okay. Spirit of fear. Wow. Inadvertent deliverance. <laughs> wow. Amazing how God casts out fear. Spirit of stupor. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they cannot see and ears so that they cannot hear to this very day. A spirit of stupor. You know, there are people as they give themselves over to the service of their flesh and to the service of the devil, the Lord says, okay, you know, you're making your choice. You get to live with your consequences now. There is a spirit of stupor. Now, this talks about a spirit of stupor. Uh, it seems to hear to come from God. Um, but it really, it's God saying, okay, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Um, and and what, what that spirit does is it hardens them. Uh, Romans uh, uh, 1 talks about uh, darkened hearts and how sin, people that give themselves deliberately to sin and decide that the sin is what they want to per pursue, that their hearts gradually get darkened and hardened until they can't hear and they can't, they can't turn back. So, this spirit uh, prevented them from hearing and understanding the grace of God. Uh, I sometimes call it a mind-binding spirit because it also binds our mental abilities. I run into a, a number of people with a spirit of stupor. Um, this uh, one lady, I was doing an Alpha course, and what I like to do, I don't know, anyone here familiar with Alpha? Alpha is like a multi-week course, you know, where you present the gospel. Um, I had taken Nikki Gumbel's rendition of the Alpha Course and broken it down and I was doing speaking myself. Uh, it's very interesting. Old people like, tend to like the, uh, the DVDs and young people tend to like a live speaker. So we were sort of doing the young people thing and I was doing the live speaking. Well, at the end of, what was it, the first or the second, no, maybe the second meeting, one of the table groups, see, we sit in table groups and at the end of each speech or talk, then the, we'll break into table groups and we'll sit and we'll discuss what did you learn and we'll process and then everybody will have, will go home and then they'll come back next week, they'll have a nice meal, they'll do the same thing. Anyway, we broke into table groups and one of my table group leaders came up to me and said, I have a woman at my table who would like to talk to you. She wants to vomit, her skin's on fire, and she's got voices in her head screaming, get out, get out. I don't think I want to talk to her anymore. You know what I mean? Like I just... Oh, and this is one of the things, you know, folks, this is very important to learn. You don't have to fix people. God's already doing something here. So me, I'm immediately, I don't know how to fix that. How do you shut the voices off and how do you make the, the, the nausea go away and the skin? I don't know how to do that. You're right. Lord, I'm at your mercy. Let's go talk to her. So I sit down with her 
And um, I say, so, what's on your mind? Good opening statement for all of you who want to use it. Just say, what's on your mind? And she looks at me like this. She's like over in the side of her chair like this. And I'm sitting here looking at her and she's looking back at me sort of like, she says, I don't know. But she says, I want to puke. She says, I got voices in my head telling me to get out of here. Um, and my skin's on fire. And everything you're saying makes no sense to me whatsoever. Okay. So I said, <laughs> how do you respond to that? And the words that came to me were this. I think God's got his hand on your life. Are you interested in that? If God was to call you to draw you to himself, would you be interested in that? And she goes, okay. Would you let me pray with you that God would do just that then, that he will lead you through this? Because I don't know what the heck else to do. And she goes, now get what just happened here. This woman is manifesting demons is what she's doing. And how do I know God's got his hand on her life? Because they wouldn't be manifesting like that if they weren't colliding with something that was of God. The Holy Spirit's in the room. The gospel is being proclaimed. And these things are doing what they can do to get her out of there. That means God has his hand on her life and he's pulling her toward him. Okay. Are you interested? I ask permission. Are you interested in God's call in your life? That little nod right there. She just gave permission to everything. Okay, do you know how to follow it out? No, nope, don't. Tell you what, how about I pray and we just give God permission to just make things clear to you, all right? Okay, let me pray for you. You just rest, rest for a minute. She sits crammed over in the far corner of her chair. Dear Jesus, this lady here, I think you got your hand on her life and she is interested in your call on her life. So Lord, whatever thing is blocking her ability to hear your word, I bind its power, uh, command it to stand aside. I put her in your hands for this journey. You, you call her, you draw her, you lead her. In Jesus' name, amen. That was the end of the prayer. And she looks at me, okay, and she leaves. And she comes back the next week. And she sits down and we do the presentation, we do the supper, we do the presentation. And this woman... Uh, at the end of it, she comes up to me and she's just like this. That was amazing. That was incredible. Like, that was like, oh, like, 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 feed me. Like, oh, that was wonderful. That was so good. That was. So that made sense to you. Absolutely. What was happening was the demon that was, uh, that short little prayer that we had before. Did we do full-blown deliverance on her? No. That would come later with this woman. But the thing that was blocking her from hearing the gospel, because the core element to being free is that relationship with Jesus first. That surrender in your heart of hearts that allows you to enter into a relationship with the one who then brings freedom to the whole rest of your life. This lady, she, she uh, was suddenly able to hear the gospel and she just started eating it up. She was there next week and she was there the week after. And I think it was about two weeks later. We had another guy, and he was a guy who was a street kid, and she was determined. Like, she accepted Christ, like, the two weeks later or the next week, whatever it was, said yes to Jesus, entered into that relationship, and she's sitting beside the street kid who's coming in just for the food, eh? And uh, he finally can't take it anymore. He says, I'm done with this place. I'm out of here. Well, she wasn't let, letting him go so easy. 
She goes after him out into the parking lot. No, no, you got to stay because Jesus, like this Jesus is real. This is amazing. You got to come stay. I don't want to be in there. And while she's trying to share her little blossoming faith with him, there's a, a yard next door with a couple of big dogs and they start barking. Big dogs, like Great Dane type. And two of them join in. And, and they're driving her nuts because she's trying to share her faith with this guy and these stupid dogs are barking and they won't shut up. And she finally says, God, just shut those things up. And they shut off like a light switch. Click. She goes like this. And the street kid goes like this. Whoa. He comes back in and he gets saved that day. This was a woman who, you know, had that spirit of stupor. You know, um, the spirit of the stupor is, is, connects again with that story of Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 where it says the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see. And sometimes when you're dealing with the spirit of stupor, again, you just ask that permission. Could I, God has his hand on your life. Could we pray that God would lead you on the journey he has for you? Sure, you don't have to be attacking demons. You're just asking for the permission and then you're giving God the permission to do what God does best. We had another uh, 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 story. Uh, a girl who had a stuporous spirit. It was a Bible camp. And uh, I'd been preaching there and I was talking, uh, finished the talk the one morning and then come lunchtime, suddenly the, the parents and this young girl busted in and said, we've got to go to the hospital. Why? Uh, a daughter here's got uh, extreme nausea, uh, cramping, uh, bad headaches. Uh, we don't know what's happening. It's just come on really sharp. And me, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess go to the hospital. Um, but, they, but I was the pastor, right? So they said, well, we'll get the pastor to do a prayer for you, and then we'll take her to the hospital. So, okay. But me, I, wanna, I, I start asking questions, and I go, okay. So when did... Uh, when did it start? During your talk this morning. Ping. During the talk this morning. That's interesting, because guess what I was doing during the talk this morning? I'm sharing the gospel, right? When during the talk this morning? It was when you were talking about, remember very specifically, it was, remember, it was when you were talking about the blood of Jesus. Ping. The blood of Jesus that cancels all sin. You mean that blood? Yeah. Hmm. Could we pray that over? Yep. Anyway, we ended up sitting down praying. We asked God to lead us through this prayer. Um, and it, there, I, I was given just a little bit of an insight, and it just, I just felt like this girl needed to forgive somebody. Who do you need to forgive? I asked her. She said, my dad. Well, her dad's sitting right across from her. He's going like, what? Like a lot of dads. What? What? But I love her. What have I done? Well, you've been working too dang hard. You've been on the road for her whole life. And she's angry at you. That's what it turns out to be. I said, you've got to forgive your dad. Are you willing to forgive your dad? You can't make somebody forgive. Are you willing to forgive your dad? Yeah, I really do love him. Yeah, okay. Pray with me. Dear Jesus. And as soon as we started to pray, she goes like this. Dear Jesus. Pray with me. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. 
Why does that happen as soon as you start praying this prayer of forgiveness? I don't know, whatever you are, but yeah, you, stop that in Jesus' name. Can you hear me? Yeah. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus. We walked her through this prayer. It was quite slow, and it was very sort of, I forgive my dad in Jesus' name, and I receive my forgiveness for hating him. And <laughs> the dad sat there going like, what? But she prays this all through. And then we just said, spirit of unforgiveness and stupor, the Lord rebukes you, be gone from her. <clears throat> she pukes on the floor. Just had lunch. But there was no carrots in the puke. I always find that interesting when there's no carrot chunks in a puke right after lunch. You know what I mean? Especially at Bible camp, because they feed lots of carrot chunks at Bible camp. Barfs onto the floor, sits up. And we prayed, come Holy Spirit. In the place that this young lady's life has been touched by the enemy, come. This is your place now. Amen. She gets up, she leaves the room. Um, or gets up, and I, and I think I said, so how are you feeling? How's the headache? Gone. Nausea? Gone. Hmm. She runs out, and she's all bright and perky now. Such a change happened. Anyway, there's a spirit of unforgiveness, and it was also a stupor spirit, because it made her stupors. Why was it making it stupors? Because it was trying to block her ability to hear the gospel. It was trying to block her ability to pray. It was trying to keep her in bondage. That's what these things do. There is also another spirit. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 to 2 says this. The ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now give me a break. I command thee, O spirit, O ruler of the kingdom of the air spirit. Right? Um, anyway, Paul calls it the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Uh, spirit of Satan. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the ways of Satan. This spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This is a very generalized uh, spirit. And uh, from the description of it, it works over groups of people, specifically unbelievers. And so Paul, or, or John, in 1 John 4, says, we understand this, that the whole world is in the power of the devil. You know what this means? Somebody says, well, how many demons are there? Enough. Enough, right? I don't know how many there are. Well, is there one behind every bush? I don't know. But there's enough. How many bushes are there? I don't know. There's enough to wipe out 2,000 pigs out of one guy. Are they all carrying 2,000? No, I don't think they are. I don't know. We're not told how many there are, but there's enough. And we're also told that, that demonic power, the power of the devil, has an influence on our world, not just on individuals, but on our world generally. And so we get to deal with this, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow. What, what, how do we live in a world that, that, that is ruled by the spirit uh, that is described here, the ruler of the kingdom of the air? Well, first thing we do is that we put on the suit. We hide ourselves in Christ, and we keep that suit on. We keep that presence on us. 
we stay in submission to him so that we don't become um, enslaved as well. And he protects us. Ruler of the kingdom of the air is another name for Satan, who was cast down from heaven to earth. Reference Luke 10, 18. Uh, um, Satan is not like God, remember? He's not omnipresent, but he has demons who uh, cause, enhance, foment disobedience in people. Uh, we would cause the, call this a spirit of disobedience. Sometimes I've called it the spirit of rebellion. There's another spirit spoken of in 1 John 4.3, <clears throat> the Antichrist spirit. Dear friends, it says, now this is a deceiving spirit, and it's a spirit that works to prevent people from putting their trust in Jesus. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits <clears throat> to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Now, I used to, you know, as I read this, I sort of thought he was talking about, you know, sort of the spirit. Like, you know, in this room, sort of a nice spirit in this room. You know, attitude type thing. He's not talking about the attitude. He's talking about a spirit. A sentient, malevolent, evil thinking spirit. That's what he's talking about. This spirit does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. Oh, hold it. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Well, it's the same thing. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So the spirit of Antichrist. And if you read a little bit more of 1 John 4, you're going to get into uh, more description of the spirit of Antichrist. It doesn't allow people to acknowledge God. It prevents people from believing and the text here makes clear that there are many spirits of Antichrist in the world. Not just one, but many demonic spirits with this, you could call it an assignment. This is what they do. Uh, they function in this manner and purpose. You know, I ran into this spirit. It was really interesting. Uh, this Alpha course that we were doing, uh, uh, I think it was the same Alpha course. We had some very interesting people in this Alpha course. One guy shows up, and he sits down in the table right in front of me, and I'm doing the, my speaking shtick, you know, and he's, he's like, after he's just, just bleeding all over me, he's just like, oh, this is great, this is wonderful. Oh, I just, I feel so good when I come here. I love you guys, and I'm like, this is wonderful, and I'm trying to believe. I'm going, to, what are you trying to believe? I'm trying to believe. Does this make sense to you? No. And he's really honest with me, but I'm trying to believe. Don't give up on me. I never had a guy do that before. Me, you know, I'm trying to share Christ with somebody, and they're, they're either going like, yes, tell me more, or they're going like, get away from me, get away from me. I've never had a guy come and say, you know what, I just don't believe it does make sense, but please don't give up on me. Well, he came week after week after week, and he would say, don't give up on me, don't give up on me, I'm trying to believe. He's apologizing. He feels guilty that he can't just take me at my word. And I'm going, hmm, okay. Well, in Alpha, we get to a weekend where you go away and we would uh, take time to present on the Holy Spirit, the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this time, we would set out a couple of chairs and we would give opportunity to be prayed over if you want that kind of ministry. So I set out this chair, and this was a sort of an interesting group of people. There were three guys that really stood out in this crowd. One guy was an ex-crack addict. Um, one guy was uh, the, the guy who was pleading to believe, and the other guy was um, uh, a fetal alcohol man who just messed up his life because he couldn't lay a hold of consequences. He couldn't think conse consequentially. Anyway, so I, I'm tired. I've just got done all these presentations. 
I set out the chair, sort of hoping nobody will show up. And I go, now, does anybody like to be prayed over for anything? And my fetal alcohol man comes to the front like this. And I'm going, uh, what's happening with you? The darkness is about to break loose. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, have a seat. I got two guys in the back. I don't want it to be too weird, you know, because I want them to get saved. And I just think they're going to think this is too weird and they're going to leave. The darkness is about to break loose. Oh my gosh. Have a seat. I said, okay, we'll call him Charlie. Charlie, what have you been doing? I've been doing this. And, and, he, and like this guy's not normally spastic. He's not normally, you know, he doesn't have those characteristics. He normally stands up and he just talks to you like, you know, your average person. But he starts laying stuff out. I said, okay, Charlie, are you ready to be done with this stuff? We're just going to start giving it to Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Pray with me, Charlie. Where'd you like a bucket? Pour your heart into him. We're going to hand it to God. Dear Jesus, I put in your hands, and we went through sexual sin, and we went through other kinds of immoral sin, and we went through stealing, and we went through addictions, and we went through deceit, and we went through, I mean, so it goes, eh? for 15 minutes. Meanwhile, he's buckled over in his seat, big long stringers, a snot hitting the ground. He was rocking back and forth. Oh, I give this to you, Jesus. Oh, I give this to you, Jesus. And he's giving all this stuff to Jesus. We finally got to the end. Is that it, Charlie? Yeah. Okay. Evil spirit, I command you in Jesus' name. You're renounced. Get off of my uh, brother, Charlie. Jesus' name. And he goes, he goes, oh. <sighs> the darkness is gone. Oh, that feels good. Oh, he stands up and he walks back to his seat. And I'm thinking to myself, all I could think is Paul and Bill, these other two guys, they gotta, they, they got to be gone. Well, I get turned around, and up comes Bill. Do me next. <laughs> he sits down. Hey, Bill, what do you got to give, give the Lord? Well, crack addiction, this, that, and the other thing. He, he, he named a couple of things. Pray with me, Bill, in Jesus' name. And we just give stuff to Jesus. And then he said, Jesus, I say yes to you. I believe you are who you say you are. And I just let him, let him in a simple prayer of saying yes to Jesus as his Lord. Uh, Bill was not a Christian up to this point. He was one of those unbelievers I figured we for sure would bolt out the back door. And uh, <clears throat> I said, in Jesus' name, I take authority over the spirit of unbelief in your life. Commanded to go where Jesus sends it. Come Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit brings faith, um, uh, creates faith. Uh, brings understanding of God's word, which raises up more faith, all that stuff. And it was interesting because as I laid my hands on him, suddenly the sweat just burst through his, like big heavy sweatshirt, gray sweatshirt, just burst through his sweatshirt. He was dripping off of his face. And he prays um, with me, declares Jesus as Lord. Amen. Stands bolt upright out of his chair, walks straight out the back door. Well, don't know what happened there. 
The next guy comes up, Paul, uh, the guy that I figured, other guy I figured I was going to lose. Me next. Okay, he sits down. Dear Jesus, I'm ready to believe in you. Believe, I, I'm ready to give you my life. Cast myself in your mercy. Receive the washing of your blood, the forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus' name. I led him through that prayer. And then I said, Spirit of unbelief, I command you, uprooted from this man's life. You've hindered him long enough. Get out of his life. Don't come back. He stands up, walks out. There's a, there's a double door right on the front of the, the chalet that we're using. He just walks 10, 20 feet, 15 feet this way maybe. Sideways out the double door and pukes into the bush. Ralph! Comes back in. Yeah, that was vile. Oh, nastiest stuff I ever tasted. But he was fully converted. <laughs> fully converted. Well, that was an interesting evening. Walked out from that evening. Decided to go for a walk. I'm tired. This is intense stuff. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go for a walk down the road. It's dark. It's uh, in that nice BC country, you know. You get quiet walk. I'm out walking and suddenly this car comes along. It's a black car. It's low slung, dark windows, and it's dark out. <clears throat> and it pulls up beside me. It stops. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, I'm under your blood anyway. Uh, so uh, uh, I, hope, I hope I'm going to be all right here, Lord, in Jesus' name. And the window goes down. And as the black window goes down, in the car is all black too. And out of the blackness comes this voice. Boyd. Oh, thank God. It's Bill. Okay. Yeah, Bill. I need to get baptized. When do I get baptized? Tomorrow morning. Okay, I'll call my folks. And he takes off. And the next morning we baptize Bill in the lake. You know, it's interesting to me. Because there is a spirit of antichrist out in the world. It's a demonic spirit. It's not just that people can't believe. There are people that are afflicted by it. And, and when you see that manifestation, you don't attack the demon. You're not looking to attack demons. What you're doing is you're saying to the person, do you want to follow the call God has on your life? And if they say yes, you say, okay, can we pray? I'll help you with the prayer. You've got to come back to my EP, EPM 1 and 2 seminars, Effective Prayer Ministry Seminars. And I'll teach you a very simple approach on how to pray with people and how to coach them as they pray. And you pray this way. Dear Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I want to believe more than I do. I'm ready to be called and drawn and taken on the journey. Please do so in Jesus' name. I renounce the hindrances of the enemy and I send them to where you send them, Jesus. And I accept your spirit that calls me onward. And people get free and people get saved. And people walk forward and it doesn't fix everything in their life. Who knows that? Anyone surrendered to Jesus and has all been peachy keen? Good. There's no liars in the crowd today. That's good. Because it's not all peachy keen. But it's a journey that he calls us on. And sometimes there are spiritual forces that hinder the journey. And you don't have to fight the spiritual forces that hinder you. You just have to give them to Jesus and he will do the battle. Listen, there's a spirit of truth and a spirit of falsehood. We are from God, John says. And whoever knows God listens to us. 
But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. The gospel of Jesus Christ that John and Paul and Matthew and Luke preached. Those who are from God, this makes sense to them. Those that God is touching and drawing into freedom, this makes sense to them. And even those who it doesn't make sense to, if they're hungry, it means God's calling them because he wants, to make it, wants it to make sense to them. And he can do that too. The enemy seeks to hinder us. When we look at the demonic, there's powerful amounts of material in the scriptures that speak about the work, the nature, and the activity of the devil. And it all comes down to this, to get us back into our own strength, to get us doing it by our own power rather than God's, to get our focus off him and our focus on some other source of strength. And Jesus always breaks through that to bring us back to him. And when we deal with the demonic, we deal with it in the context of surrender to the risen Christ. So, you know, God bless each of you tonight. Um, dealing with the demonic is not about being on a demon hunt. Dealing with the demonic just is simply about saying yes to Jesus as he calls us into the deeper walk of surrender. Because the deeper the surrender to Jesus equals the deeper the freedom you walk in. So if you have something to give Jesus, if you have a bondage, that's the goal. Give it to Jesus, and he will lead you in that way of life. Let me pray. We're going to close. God Almighty, we tell you we love you. We thank you. Thank you for each person that has come here tonight. Thank you, Lord God, for what you are doing among us. Thank you, Father, that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it lays us bare. And in laying us bare, according to Hebrews, it prepares us to come to you boldly that we might receive the grace and mercy we have need of. And so, Lord, the enemy cannot accuse us any longer. The enemy cannot bind us any longer. And the enemy is not as powerful as you. In fact, he's been defeated. Jesus, you cried out on that cross. You said it is finished and you meant his power was done. And you come to call and draw and rescue us to lead us in the freedom we were made for. Father, for each person here, let that journey of freedom deepen this weekend and on into their future. We love you. We cast ourselves in your mercy. Protect everybody as they go home. We stand under your blood. Satan, the Lord rebukes you. We renounce your power. We command you to where Jesus sends you. He will deal with you as he, as he sees fit. And now come, Lord Holy Spirit, and carry us. Call us, draw us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.